Someone turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'll tell you what verses to read in a minute. You know, when uh, I study a lot of uh, public speaking gurus trying to improve uh, speaking in public, and they always tell you, you know, you should start with a point of tension. And I said, well, I have that one covered because you never know what I'm going to do next. So there's always, there's always some kind of tension in when I stand up, I'm sure. And so I'm going to start off with a, some, some tension this morning. So if someone has 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please read verses 19 and 20 really loud. So what does it, there's a question, here's a big, big question, a couple of big questions rolled into one. What does it really cost to follow Jesus? What does it really cost to go and make disciples like Jesus makes disciples? Read that verse again. What? here means to, to honor, to set aside, to worship. The word body here is the Greek word soma. And the word soma means everything. Your, your physical body, your spirit, your soul, your heart, everything that makes you, you. So now, what does it really take to follow Jesus Everything, right? You. It takes you. Everything that makes you, you, it takes everything you are to follow him. So everything at a, at a, at a moment's notice, even our life, we offer up as worship. Time, treasure, talent, we talk about that a lot. But it even comes down to really our, our actual physical life. In this country, there's not that many instances when we, that happens. In other countries, our, we have brothers and sisters that, that face that on a daily basis. Where their life might be required and has been required of them. Soma. Everything that we are. It takes everything that we are to follow him and make disciples like he makes disciples. So I have another question. Are you ready for that great adventure? Are you ready to throw everything that you are to go and make disciples? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we, you're going to help us answer that question this morning. 
You're going to challenge us. You're going to bring tension to us uh, because you love us. Uh, because you want us to grow. Because you want us to grow into disciples that make disciples. That you want us to be able to express our sonship, our daughtership to you so that we glorify you with everything that we are. So that we worship you with everything we are because we have been bought with a price and we are not our own. We belong to you. So as a moment of sacrifice here, we offer ourselves up to you. We might be doing it a little hesitantly. (laughs) We might be doing it with a little tension, but we do it. We give ourselves to you. This moment. And we ask that great question, or we make that great proclamation, have your way. Because it is not our will, but yours be done. So for this next little moment that we're together, that we get to, to think together, to express together, I pray, Father, that you would speak deeply into our hearts, deeply into our spirits, our mind, our soul, our soma, so that we receive everything that you have for us this morning. Because we need you. We're desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. So I ask, yes, Father, that you would empty me of me. And that you would speak your words of life through me. Because we don't want to leave this place the same way we walked in. We want to be different. We want to be empowered. We want to believe that we're no longer slaves to fear, to anything. But we are sons and daughters of the Most High. So we ask this, we trust this, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's turn to Matthew 28. We've been, this, this is, well, we've been reading for the past six or seven weeks. I don't even remember how long we've been talking about discipleship. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As you go, Make disciples. Two weeks ago we talked about a disciple is one who is always with the Master. That Jesus prayed this beautiful prayer for this sacred unity that He wanted us to have with the Father, with the Spirit, and with Him. Last week we talked about a disciple is one who is becoming like the Master. Remember, we put on Christ. We are what? Assume the what? Never? You don't remember? Come on, this was a big point last week. Assume what? The identity. Remember? We assume the identity. We're putting on Christ. We assume the identity. We're wrapped in Him. We're covered with Him. We can't help but be like Him. So a disciple is one who is always with the Master. A disciple is one who is becoming like the Master. And this week, a disciple is one who serves like the Master. Because he is one with them. 
and because he is becoming like him. So a disciple is one who serves like the master. So if we want to serve like the master, that scripture gave us a hint to what we should be doing. Observe all. Observe some? No. All. Most of it? All of it. We're going to teach people to observe. Well, we have to be observing first. A disciple makes disciples, but he has to be a disciple first in order to make one. So this this word observe, these two words together, observe all, are very interesting. This is what it means. It means to keep a guard of by watching intently. So I'm going to guard this by watching intently. I'm going to keep my eye on it because I want to, it says I'm going to guard it so I can prevent it from being lost or injured. This is the, so listen. Okay, so I'm observing all that Christ has commanded me to do. I'm going to teach people this, but I'm going to guard it to protect it from me losing it or me being injured because I've lost it. Get the picture now? This is what it really kind of means here. That this is, I'm going to guard this, and I'm going to heed what it tells me to do, and I'm going to preserve it. That's a wonderful phrase there, to observe all. It means to guard, to protect, to heed it. It means to obey it. It, it connotates this whole, it's very active. You see there's an intentional, intentional action here with a purpose behind this. I'm just not keeping, I don't know, I'm going to keep an eye on things. No, no, it means I'm watching intently to make sure I understand it so I can be able to teach it. I can be able to live it. I can be able to model this. Observe all. So I can teach people to observe all. It's really, really, really powerful when you look at it that way. Someone turn to Luke 22. Luke 22, verses 24 and 27, and read it loud and proud. going on here? A dispute arose among them as to which of them was going to be regarded as the greatest. What's going on? Not a trick question. Really. <laughs> really. Trying to see who was going to be the top dog, right? They were, they were fighting among themselves thinking that God's kingdom was a lot different than, than what Jesus actually was teaching, and they were going to say, who is going to be the top disciple here? They lost their focus. Are they being humble here? I love this statement that Jesus says, but I am among you as the one who serves. Kind of puts an end to the whole power struggle here, doesn't it? Jesus is powerful. Jesus has authority. 
And he begins to teach them with words. Now, we're going to go back, we're going to go over to, to the book of John because, you know, the way Luke tells the Last Supper and the way Matthew tells the Last Supper, uh, they're both beautiful things. But I wanted to start here. There was an argument among the disciples. Who's going to be top dog? Jesus says, you're not understanding. It's not going to be this way among you. You've got to learn this. I'm going to teach you something. I'm using words right now, but I'm about to show you something very, very important about what it means to be the greatest. So if you go to the book of John, chapter 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from the Father and he was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he was wrapped that was wrapped around him. Started to teach him something about what being great in the kingdom of God is here. He came to Simon Peter and he said to him, uh, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? You gotta remember, their feet were dirty. They were filthy. And usually, a servant would wash the feet of people coming for dinner. It was just the way things were done. No one had washed the feet yet. And this was Passover. This was a sacred meal together. This, they had to be clean before they even started to partake of this according to Jewish custom. So they would have washed their hands and they, somebody would have washed their feet. They, you would have washed your own hands, but somebody would have washed your feet coming into the house. It hadn't happened yet. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter was saying, wait a minute, there's, who's, who's, where's the servant guy? Jesus <laughs> Jesus is going to tell him who the servant guy is. Jesus answered, what am I doing? You do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Peter regroups real quick and says, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. His hands are already been washed and his head would have been anointed with oil if, if there was someone that was properly attending to this meal. So apparently, no one was paying attention. Except Jesus. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, because he had already washed his hands. <laughs> but it is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you, talking about Judas, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not all of you are clean. Now, when he had washed her feet and put on his outer, outer garments and resumed his place, I love that. He resumed his place. He's not just talking 
I believe, about a physical place around the table. He resumed his place. Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Jesus says that serving someone begins with love and humility. Jesus, it says at the beginning there that he loved them to the end. But in order to serve in humility, you have to understand what Jesus did with power. It says at the beginning of the that God had placed all things in Jesus' hand. This means he had all power and all authority. Jesus has absolute power. And what does he do with absolute power? He washes their feet. He, he sets it aside and he serves. He humbles himself. And he serves. He has absolute power. God has placed all things in his hands, it says. He knows who he is. He knows who he's going back to. He knows his identity. He knows that he is the son of God. He knows the mission that he's about to, to embark on. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be beaten. He knows the cross is coming and he serves. That is the epitome of humility, of humbleness. If we want to learn how to serve like the master, guess what we need? We've been talking a lot about power. We've been talking a lot about authority and that we should not be afraid to be powerful. Remember, we've been talking about that a lot and that we should walk in the authority that's in us because we have a God living inside of us. Power and authority gives you the strength to do stuff, to do something. Humility and love gives you the strength to become someone. See what I said? See what I'm saying? Power and authority are, are huge and crucial for sons and daughters and for disciples. to go, In order to go into all the world to make disciples, we need that power and we need that authority. We've got to walk in it. But if we do not walk in love and humility, we'll be in trouble. Jesus shows us this. He says to the disciples, you look, you know, I know what you're trying to do here. I know that you, you're trying to jostle for position here, but this is the position that I want for you. The position of a servant. That we serve because we know who we are in him. We know that we have power and authority because of him who lives in us. But out of that power and authority, we serve. Not rule over. So they won't, this is not going to be, this guys, this is not how you're going to be. You're going to serve. And watch how I do it. 
Peter gets upset. He says, you know what? You know, okay, don't wash my feet now. Wash all me. And he says, Peter, it's not, it's not about washing the feet. It's about your heart. It's about your willingness. It's about your attitude. See, it's not about washing the feet. See, the, the act of humility doesn't define us. There are a lot of people out there in the world doing lots of good deeds that have nothing to do with the kingdom. And they are humble acts of service. We get our identity only from God. He tells us who we are. And because of that identity, because we've been set free, we do acts of service. The acts of service don't define us. He does. That make sense? So this is what Jesus is saying. He goes, yes, I have washed your feet, but it's not about washing your feet. It's about that I left my position for this position. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to lay your soma down and go and do and say whatever I ask you to do? When you go and on your way and make disciples, are you willing to lay everything down your position, your authority, everything down at the lowest level so that you can meet people? That's a tough question. But that's what it means to serve like him. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For you, brothers, were called to freedom. Hallelujah, right? But do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh... Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is fulfilled in a single decree. Love your neighbor as yourself. John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So also you must love one another. And by this... All men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What is Jesus saying there? Come on, you know this. Love like I do. He gave everything up for us. That's how he loved us, right? He gave everything for us. He gave up his soma for us, everything for us. He sacrificed everything. That's how we were supposed to love the world. I know this is not new, but I'm hoping we can look at it in a new way. I know for most of us here, this is, this is standard stuff. You know, we know this. We've been taught this. We've been teaching this. But God is saying, there's part of you that's still a slave to fear. You know, when, when the Emancipation Proclamation was made and the slaves were set free, many, many of them stayed on the plantation because they were afraid to be free. They didn't know how to be free. And so they stayed on the plantation Willingly. That is not meant for us as sons and daughters of the Most High. And yet I get a sense this morning, since we sang that song, 
that there are areas of our life that we are still slaves to fear and we're unwilling to walk off the plantation. Father is saying, not only do you have the authority, not only do you have the power to walk off that plantation, you have the freedom to do so. But you can't exercise the power and the authority of that until you take a step of freedom. You hear what I just said? Make sure. Free people serve. We do what he has done for us. And the scriptures say that we are blessed when we do. I know, you know, the command to love our others like we love ourselves, that's a, that's a difficult thing just in itself. Wow, I gotta love someone like I I love me. Uh, I love me pretty pretty good. So I gotta love someone like, you know, this guy over here. I gotta love him like I love myself. Oh he's kinda easy. He's he's kinda easy. But now, not only that, I have to love people like Jesus loves me. Well, that's just kicked it up a couple of thousand million levels. Metaphorically and maybe even physically. Washing people's feet. It's not about washing their feet. It's about washing their feet. You know what I'm saying? You know, it is extending out of my comfort zone at any given moment. Because I'm observing all that I have been commanded. And see, that was a command, remember? (laughs) It wasn't a suggestion. It's not a great idea. It is a good idea, but it's not just that. This is a command. And because I am no longer my own, it means I don't belong to me anymore. That's a great statement. It doesn't matter if I don't like feet. Matter of fact, we have to become a fan of feet if we want to be a willing disciple. See, we have to be willing to cleanse people that are that are filthy. Can we go backwards? Yes, we can. You said we have to step out of that fear and, and step out in freedom. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What do you think it looks like? I'm acting like Jesus because Jesus would ask a question when somebody asked him a question. That's right. That's who you are. I don't know. That's why I asked. <laughs> I mean, I, okay. So on some level, I know. But you want to know more. This is, this is what I think it means. I'm going to come, I'm going to come from it from my, my point of view. And I think it's scripturally based, but you judge it for, for what it is. And I'll go back to to the years of abuse that I walked through. There was a day that I had to make a decision that I was no longer going to be a victim. I made a conscious decision 
that I was no longer going to act like a victim. Once, it, once God, the Holy Spirit, presented it to me that I was acting a certain way that was a victim mentality or an orphan mentality, if you want me to kind of get into that, I will real quick. Uh, an orphan mentality is that I think God has deserted me, I, I don't think he loves me, and I don't think he'll protect me. That's it in a, in a, in a very nutshell. Okay? It's deeper than that, but that's kind of it. Once the Holy Spirit revealed that to me, he said, you have to make a decision to be free. I said, well, I asked a similar question. What does that look like? He goes, just decide to be free. And then walk in the freedom that I tell you, that I teach you. Remember, the Holy Spirit will lead us to all truth. Not just some truth. All truth. So I, that day, I said, okay. A prayer probably very similar to this. I don't remember the exact prayer, but it was, Father, I choose to be free. And you, I believe, will teach me how to be free. See, the slaves that actually stepped off the plantation still were as scared as the ones that stayed on it, but they sought out things that would help them be free. And thankfully, there were other people that were there and ready to to help them be free. Even the government, to a certain point, helped them be free. Not enough, but they did. There was money, there was land, there was provision for them to do so. The Holy Spirit has provision for us. As soon as we take that decision step of freedom, He's there and, and we start to walk in it. Does that make a little bit more sense? It is basic. Most of our freedom begins with a decision of this thing. If we're going to have the mind of Christ, guess what? We can think things that we really can't think. Jay can't think correctly all the time. His mind is wonderful. His mind is beautiful. But when we have the mind of Christ, which is what we're supposed to put on, Put on the mind of Christ. Have the same mind in you that enabled Jesus to do, divest himself of himself in order to walk in the things that his father. Remember, he said, I come to do the will of the father, right? Um, that's what our mind says. I don't believe, uh, uh, keep that thought. I don't, uh, I might still have fear. I still had fear. You know, how I was going to walk this out because that meant, uh, making that decision to be free meant that I was going to expose myself. I was going to, I had, up to this point, I had never told anybody my story in, in that part of my life. No one ever knew what I went through. But when I made that decision, it means I had to, I had to come into the light. That means everything was revealed. It was one of the best days of my life. I didn't know it then, but it was one of the best days of my life. Yes. Okay. Right away, Satan wants to jump in and, and just needle you. 
you know, and that's why we get those old thoughts and say, I don't believe it, or I, I can't do this, or whatever, because that's exactly what he wants us to do, because he wants to suppress us. Mm -hmm. right. yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we can't do this alone. No. You know, we, we, we just can't. We just can't. We just can't do this alone. That's why we need each other uh, for our own steps of decision to encourage us, you know, to take that step of freedom. Mm-hmm. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count each other more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, because he knew who he was. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It takes power and authority over yourself to be humble, to serve like the Master. You probably want like five steps of how to put this into practice. Or three steps, or maybe even 20 steps. I don't have any. Except that you go to God and you ask Him to reveal whatever you're still a slave to. Okay? That is the only step. It's the only step that you need. The practicalness of this is opportunities that God presents himself, like what happened with Liz. You know, about two weeks ago, someone came to our front door. Christine answered it. It was a person doing a survey, uh, asked if Christine wanted to sign this survey. And uh, this, this uh, wasn't a survey. It was a petition. Yeah. And Christine says, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't believe in that. Uh, but she asked this person why she was doing that. This girl got into this story about her life a little bit, and that she was actually studying to be a shaman. You know, uh, uh, not a shaman. Shaman. The shaman is the paper towels. We don't... <laughs> she might have been studying for that. That wouldn't have worked very good. You know, but she would have been really squeezable, which, you know... But she started to be this, this basically a witch doctor, you know. And um, Christine took the bold step and saying, can I, can I pray for you? And she prayed for this young lady and prayed that God would reveal his plans and purposes for her and that uh, that she would just find God, basically, was her prayer. And when Christine opened her eyes, this, this, this young woman was weeping, crying, because she had never experienced such presence of God. She didn't put it in those words, but that's what she was experiencing. So the opportunities come like that. I had two opportunities to talk to two separate people this week, they don't come to our church, that are just desperately uh, stuck in some areas of their life, one in Middletown I have to go to, but that's okay, you know, because they were an opportunity. And I felt like Father said, do this. You know, so when we have discipleship moments like that, 
That's what we're talking about, serving like Jesus. You know, I didn't really want to drive to Middletown yesterday. I felt sick. I was almost turned around in the middle of the trip. I was just feeling awful. But I went, and there was, there was, there was a moment of connection with the Father that this, this, this man needed. Uh, you know, could the Father have done it if I'm not been there? Of course he could have. But Father wanted me to go, and I did it. And then the other night, just at McDonald's, it happened. Not because I'm all that in a bag of chips. Just because I was obedient. And that's the thing. That's all God is asking us to do. To teach them all that I have commanded. To observe all that I've commanded. You guys are wonderful. You're awesome. God loves you so much. You're beautiful examples of discipleship. And he just wants us to, to, to go deeper into this and to make ourselves available, and to, to get this concept, which is very hard, especially for an American Christian, that we are not our own. Ah, this is difficult for me, you know, to realize that I, I really don't belong to myself. I don't belong to my wife. I don't belong to my kids. I serve them because someone serves me by giving up his life for me. And the greatest example of love we can never outdo. But this is the way he's asked us, as he loved us, we're supposed to love others. And I don't know about you, but I need his help to do that.